The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Liz Truss has been, if anything, certainly as bad as Johnson on the populism agenda. She wants people to work hard and she hates people being told what to do. The markets are looking very, very closely at political pronouncements. Together, we can ride out the storm. We can rebuild our economy and we can become the modern, brilliant Britain that I know we can be. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics, your daily guide to the corridors of power. I'm Caroline Hepke at the Conservative Party conference in Birmingham. And I'm Stephen Carroll in London. Today, the lady is, it seems, for turning. We'll hear from the Secretary of State for Work and Pensions, Chloe Smith, after the government makes a U-turn on its policy to scrap the top rate of income tax. We'll bring you our interview with Mark Littlewood from the Institute for Economic Affairs. Plus, Bloomberg's editor-in-chief, John Micklethwaite, has uh, been with us uh, with his analysis of where the Tory party goes from here. Caroline, an explosive start to the Tory party conference. The Chancellor rolling back on a flagship policy he announced only 10 days ago. Yeah, we saw the Chancellor thundering past us to do uh, the the round of interviews early this morning. A humiliation for the government, a U-turn on a tax cut for the wealthiest. Does it right the Tory ship, though? Markets are less aghast. Kwarteng gives a speech at 4.15 today for 20 minutes. Will we hear more from the Prime Minister, Liz Truss? The big question now, how to pay for the rest of the £43 billion fiscal plan? One area that may be ring-fenced for inflation-proof rises are state pensions. Now, Chloe Smith, the Secretary of State for Work and Pensions, has been speaking to my colleague Lizzie Burden at conference. Have a listen. This budget that the Chancellor had announced was described as reverse Robin Hood. At the one end, you were cutting the top rate of income tax. That has now been reversed. But at the other end, the Chancellor said he'd cut the benefits of people who were not trying hard enough to get a job. Are you not going to U-turn on that as well when it's equally politically toxic? I think the key point about the growth package that the Chancellor set out is that it is all about getting more people into jobs and getting higher wages. And in fact, you can see that around us as a slogan here at the conference. It's painted on the stairs just over there that we want to be able to deliver more jobs and higher wages. Now, the majority of the growth package set out was to be able to do that. For example, including putting money straight back into people's pockets through the uh, adjustment to the lower rate uh, of income tax. And of course, that builds on the cost of living package and the energy 
price guarantee. Now, my role is then to be able to help people into those jobs that that growth package will create, and that to me is a real priority. So to pay for all your tax cuts, to have any credibility in markets, you're going to have to cut spending. The one thing that the Prime Minister promised yesterday uh, was that she was going to raise pensions in line with inflation. We're in a cost of living crisis. Has the Chancellor asked you to look at cutting benefits? The Prime Minister was right to talk about the triple lock on pensions. That's been a commitment of ours for a while, and that's been a clear public commitment already. Now, naturally, there is then also the decision to be taken about benefits uprating. This is one for me to take in my role. I can't tell you here and now uh, what that will be and what the data that goes inside it will be, because I have to wait for that data to come to me. Now, the key principle, though, that I want to take in approaching that decision is how we can best protect the most vulnerable in our society. And for me, this builds on those elements of the cost of living support that we have already been doing and delivering. My department has been making payments to people and there will be more coming out very shortly that are supporting people at that time of real need. But why is it fair to guarantee pensions, not benefits, in a cost of living crisis? People need to plan now. And one of the other principles that I really want to look at here is how we protect those who can't uh, perhaps work to raise their own earnings. So, for example, that would usually include pensioners, and it may well include others as well. These are the principles that I'm thinking about very carefully as part of that decision. But let me also say this. As a party, we are about helping more people into work. We shouldn't be writing people off and saying that they can't work. We should instead be looking at what people can do rather than what they cannot do. So that's what the growth package is all about. And that's the golden thread that you see going through the other rest of the work of my department, helping people into work and ensuring that there is an incentive to work. Okay, so you mentioned pensions. Last week, the Bank of England had to step in to bail out the pensions industry uh, from a systemic crash that was triggered by your government. Are you having emergency meetings with the pensions regulator and asset managers? And if so, what proposals are being discussed? Well, colleagues are having the the right meetings, of course, with the pensions regulator, with the Treasury uh, and across my department as well. I can't give you further details than that, but I'm glad that the Bank of England was able to take the action that they did last week. And naturally, we are keeping a very close eye on this situation because we want there to be a thriving pension industry in this country. That is an essential part of supporting people in their retirement. That was the Secretary of State for Work and Pensions, Chloe Smith, speaking to our colleague Lizzie Burden a little bit earlier. Um, Caroline, you spoke to one of the people who's an ideological backer of Trussonomics a little bit earlier as well, and someone who definitely supported the idea of scrapping that top rate of income tax, a measure that's now disappearing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sort of, this is Mark Littlewood, the Director General of the Institute of Economic Affairs. You know, um, effectively saying that it was a distraction and indeed the Institute for Fiscal Studies which is uh, again one of these uh, well-respected think tanks in the UK says that um, it is of limited fiscal significance that you're getting rid of this um, uh, idea of scrapping the top rate of of income tax. So it was more the look uh, than the substance it would seem and so I was speaking to Mark about what it means for the rest of that £43 billion uh, fiscal plan and whether or not it's all going to be paid for via uh, borrowing or what happens in terms of cutting government departments and budgets in order to make uh, you know make the investments needed here is mark littlewood from the institute of economic affairs I mean, this is a political judgment, I think, about party management, really. Uh, I mean, as, a, as an economic purist, I would have got rid of the 45p rate. It's a bit obscure to have a 40p rate of income tax and then a 45p rate. It raises next to no money. 
you might even get higher revenues for abolishing it because people wouldn't game the system as much. Uh, so that would be my view from an economic perspective. But as a senior Tory MP put to me just yesterday, he said, Mark, I get your job. Your job is to run a think tank and be a purist. But he said that his job was to be a Conservative MP and try to get elected. And the way this looked and, uh, was that it was a government that was trying to assist the rich more than the poor in a time of a cost of living crisis. And look, the Prime Minister and the Chancellor have made a political calculation that this is not the hill they want to die on. It's a relatively small part in economic terms of mm. the overall package. I mean, it's a tiny fraction of the, the energy package they put together, which will, could run to well over billion pounds and rather than having a fight with the likes of former cabinet ministers like Grant Shapps and Michael Gove they've, they've decided to kill it dead now and hope that that kind of stems the bleeding and they can move on to other things otherwise it probably would yeah. have been the dominant topic for this conference that's their calculation okay but then the overall package in and of itself is massively problematic we've seen huge gyrations in the space of a week after the budget yep. in terms of gilts and and sterling um do you think that the government now sticks to the broader package then of announcing massive tax cuts before any uh, figuring out how they're going to pay for it. Uh, you're quite right, Colonel. Listen, a problem this does not solve for them is they are going to have to show the markets that they've got some plan on spending constraint. I, I think that was broadly what spooked the markets. You know, by all means, have lower taxes. By all means, have a package to help on the energy uh, bills that households are facing. But how are you going to pay for it? The government hasn't yet answered that question. And this change of tax policy doesn't get anywhere close to answering that question. As I say, it's nickel and dime stuff in the round. So they have another headache to face, and that is to show uh, the country and the money markets that they can balance the books at some point. Over the medium term, doesn't need to be done today, mm. but what is the plan to get the debt falling? That is a problem, I think, the Chancellor and the Prime Minister know they have, but it's a problem for the moment. They're saying, can wait till another day. But my question is, can it really be done for Britain? Because this is the sort of policy, this idea of putting growth first and that you get that via tax cuts. This is something well known in Republican circles in the United States. They have a massive economy with 330 million people. Does it really work in Britain? You know, the, the, the evidence is incredibly mixed that it does. How can the government stick to that policy that your think tank surely supports? Well, no, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of tax cuts, but I'm not a big fan of unfunded tax cuts. I'm not sure they do always pay for themselves. I think the picture's a bit more nuanced than that. So I want to see tax come down, but I also want to see spending come down alongside it. We have seen public sector spending outpace economic growth now for the best part of a decade. By far, the public sector has grown faster than the economy. I think that needs to be trimmed. Always difficult to find savings. Easy for an economist to point at numbers on a spreadsheet. Always difficult for a politician to make a case for savings. So I want taxes down, but I don't think that you can do that just by borrowing more money. You've got to do that by finding efficiencies and savings in the public sector. And on that, the government has been, let's say, uh, quiet to silent in terms of their uh, in terms of their policy so far and I think they've actually got to find some areas in which they're going to make savings they'll obviously talk about efficiency mm. savings yeah. but they've probably got to find some programs they're going to cut as well yeah okay and everybody knows that every, yeah every government wants to make efficiencies in different departments but you know given austerity lasted a decade look Bloomberg Economics thinks that with the Bank of England having to raise rates in nearly 6% you're going to see at least 1% possibly double that amount of 
growth wiped off the UK economy, i.e. you could get more than 2% of GDP by the start of next year wiped out because of this mini budget. I mean, is this really the right plan for Britain for growth? Well, I I think that probably too much of the... I I think there's a lot of choppy waters here irrespective of the mini budget, which I don't think the government landed particularly well. I like their thinking that taxes should come down, that spending needs to be constrained, that's at least what they've said in abstract, and that regulations need to be pared back. As a general direction of strategy, I rather approve of that. I think that is the way to get growth. However, it's not enough just to have a strategy. You need to execute it and land that strategy adequately and do all the political management. Now, that's not my field. I work for an economics think tank. But on that side of the ledger, they've done extraordinarily badly. They clearly did not get senior people in their own party on side. They faced a party rebellion. They spooked the markets. That's about delivery. The overall direction that the UK needs to get away from it being the highest tax burden we've had in 70 years as a proportion of national income. That's Mm. absurd. Uh, As I say, state spending has gone up more than growth year on year for far too long. And there are huge opportunities for deregulating the supply side of our economy, which no politicians have the bravery to take. They've got the right overall thinking and vision, in my view. But my, oh my, they've got to improve the delivery of of it. I mean, this has been a a woeful 10 days in terms of their delivery. Yeah, a woeful 10 days. But can you really get market confidence back to the UK? I mean, after the Boris Johnson years, the pandemic, uh, and now, what, four prime ministers in in six years in the UK, there there are real concerns that the foreign buyers of of guilt in the UK, you know, that that maybe the UK is not as strong as it once was. Well, I mean, I think they... They can only address that problem one step at a time. I don't think there's a single speech that the Prime Minister or the Chancellor can suddenly give from the conference hall to turn that around. British politics has been extremely choppy and uncertain over recent years. Uh, Today's another day of uncertainty. I mean, a major statement made on tax and some of it's already unravelled. That credibility can only be gained back one step at a time. And obviously a worry here would have been having you turned on this, yeah. how much will we trust the next statement of the Chancellor? Or does it just require a, a, a gaggle of Conservative MPs to, to shout in the newspapers that they don't like it and he'll back down again? So even if he succeeded for the purpose of this conference and what the focus it will be to remove this from the table, it potentially dents his long-term credibility because the next time he stands up and makes a pledge... How confident would one be that it's going to stick for more than 10 days? That's a problem for him. They've now got to earn back that credibility with the markets and politically one small step at a time. That was Mark Littlewood, Director General of the Institute of Economic Affairs, speaking to you, Caroline, a little bit earlier. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. 
Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm curious, you're there amidst all of the great and the good of the Conservative Party. How has today's events and this U-turn, how is that going down with the backbench MPs who are there? 
Well, I mean, it can't look anything other than disorganised and disorderly. I mean, we know that the Prime Minister has done a round of uh, interviews uh, this morning to local TV stations made pre the policy change. Uh, so this is incredibly difficult. Um, Kwasi Kwarteng uh, spoke to 25 MPs. Uh, we know... Uh, ahead of you know changing the policy to try to sort of reassure them but backbenchers are really quite concerned you've got the Labour Party now 33 points ahead of the Conservatives yes a general election is a long way off 18 months at least but these are huge changes in the space of a week or 10 days and I think that Mark Littlewood talking about credibility I mean this is the IEA these are the backers effectively of Trussonomics the free marketeers and even they are totally unimpressed. Yeah, and I mean, if you're listening to, to Chris Philp, the Chief Secretary of the Treasury, earlier on, on Bloomberg Television, talking uh, about how the rest of the plan will be implemented in full and that the UK is to stick to the November 23rd timeline on the medium-term fiscal plan. These are these making these promises now, uh, everyone's questioning what the next element could be that could fall and, and how much mm. the path being laid out uh, by the government is going to be stuck to given that they've already ditched a policy that was one of the ones they yeah. were touting, you know, just a few days ago. Well, banker bonuses is what springs to mind, as you said that, Stephen. <laughs> banker bonuses may be the next issue, the next sort of U-turn issue. And again, these are sort of peripheral issues, but they speak very loudly, don't they? Giving um, you know, bankers the ability to earn larger bonuses, something that had been capped by the European Union. Um, and Rachel Reeves of the opposition Labour Party, you know, saying that the Tories have destroyed their economic credibility. Uh, that's very difficult. John Micklethwaite. Bloomberg's editor-in-chief also stopped by. He's here at the Birmingham uh, conference too and he was fascinating on how investors are seeing all of this. Listen to John Micklethwaite now. It's interesting. Both economically and politically, it's a huge gamble. Um, politically, it's a gamble. On the other hand, the level of protest and this 45p thing seemed to be something that people just could not defend. And actually, I think it's interesting, certainly in my life for the past 10 days, I met a lot of people in the city, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of other people who would qualify for that 45p to 40p. And I don't think I've ever met so many rich people not wanting a tax cut, which is, which is a change. And I think even, even in the parts of the Conservative Party which love tax cuts, on this particular one there was real issues. What do you think is the mood then? As you say, you've, you've wandered around. I mean, we had Mike Wood MP who was speaking to us earlier and... Um he was sounding nervous uh, and, and not terribly happy. I think they're nervous. We saw a government minister last night who said, you know, I can't guarantee we're going to win the next election. It's that, it's that kind of feel. Um, it, it, I didn't go to the Labour Party conference, but I think it's almost the reverse. The Tories are used to somehow managing to win and Labour is used to somehow managing to lose. <laughs> and that, that is quite a different dynamic. But at this precise moment, it feels that Labour have got the sort of... The, the, the field is clear in front of them. Starmer looks reassuring and rather boring and trust has endangered and there's no real way around this she has endangered the main thing which has always advanced the conservative cause in britain which is the idea of sound money the idea that the conservatives whatever their pluses and minuses in other ways they were the people who understood business understood economics and that in a week has been the most endangered probably since the sort of erm fiasco all those years ago where the where the pound got dumped out of the 
exchange rate. Absolutely. And it was only 30, it was 30 years ago, it was only a few weeks ago that we were looking back at that 30 year anniversary of yes. that and this disaster. Is, this, is not, this is not as bad as that, I don't think, but it's pretty bad. It's, it, it looks very cavalier to do something that no matter how many times they try and blame it on the dollar, and no matter how many times they point out quite correctly to other economic things which are having an impact, the basic fact is that before the mini-budget, things were, were tough, and straight after it, um, it they've become enormously tougher. They managed to get the markets to believe in them again, then this government's going to have a very, very tough time. And we don't have to have another general election until early, you know, the end of 2024, no. early 2025, so it's a long way, but that could be a very long, and we... I sort of use this phrase advisedly. I mean, lame duck administration. Is, that's yeah. not the way that our political I mean, system works, but it could be that. You're gloriously young, but I can remember <laughs> the days of, of, of John Major. You know, there was a definite end mm. of the Tories hanging on. You know, the, the people would... The, there, was, there was nothing to keep the Conservatives in power other than the fact that they were in power, and that was the only thing hanging on. I think they want to avoid that. Some ministers have compared some element of the UK and the US election timetables. Is you had the midterms, is it? But 2024 could be the time when they both come up for it. And, and actually, I think it's not, again, it's not just politics, economics are so intertwined. There are some senior conservatives here who say the most important thing, really, in terms of what they want to do is US inflation. Because I think if US inflation comes down, interest rates in America will come down and things will relax here. And although that sounds a very kind of tenuous thing, I think there is a link between those two things. Yeah, okay, the Federal Reserve driving yes. the global economy, all right. Okay, um, we're hearing also from Chloe Smith, the Secretary of State for Work and Pensions. So uh, the, the other area will be, you know, that, that pensioners are once more being shielded, but people on benefits may not be. So that's the other area that those massive... It's quite an interesting, talking yeah. to a Conservative last night, uh, where who admitted the basic problem of those interest rates. There was a kind of codicil to it. That the, the Tory voter tends to be somebody who saves as mm. well. And he or she, or indeed they, they all want, you know, they, there's, they, they don't necessarily, a lot of, for a lot of them, a little bit of interest rate sounds like a good thing. But the level to which things began to spiral up last week was not good. What happens to the Bank of England now? I mean, there is still the pensions issue, which almost became systemic. Yes, uh, that was a sort of technical thing, but, but you mm. could see why they had to do it. I think the Bank of England, to some extent, is in a much stronger position now. I mean, it's very notable that, that you know, again, talking to a senior Tory last night, it very much the message was the Bank of England, the Office of Budget Responsibility, all these places we spent all this time slagging off. Now, look, we have to work with the institutions we have. And the reason why is without the Bank of England helping a bit last week, they would be in more trouble. So that it's, it's just a very tough place for them at the moment. So global investors, where, where does that leave global investors thinking about the UK? Well, at some point, the UK might become a buy. Um, mm. If you believe the following things, if you say, look, look at the UK, actually there is, some people have saved quite a lot of money during the, um, the better times that should be able to help get through the energy thing. There is now a flaw underneath energy prices, albeit one which is somewhat controversial in terms of pure economics. Um, they have got out of the way of this self-created bullet, which was the, um, the, the 45p rate. Um, you have a place here 
that is generally open for business. It's noticeable that in finance, although it tends to get a bad press politically in finance, the fact that they've adjusted the banker bonus rule is actually quite helpful. Yes. Um, that definitely pulls people back in. They're trying to send a message they're open to business at the same time that Europe has some pretty fundamental problems. Um, America, you've got obviously huge strengths in the American economy, but definite political problems. And Asia, you've got problems. At some point, you know, the UK's been hit pretty hard. It might look slightly better. Against that, you know, the general rule is that if you have a government that you can't trust, um, then it needs to be able to talk to investors in a language they can understand. And it needs to have some kind of philosophy it can put in front of them to say, look, this is what we want to do. And it's pragmatic and it's safe and it will be successful. That was Bloomberg's editor-in-chief, John Smigglewith, speaking there to Caroline a little bit earlier. Um, Caroline, it's about 20 past 12 here in London now. The market reaction to this U-turn by the government, still still positive we're seeing. Sterling is two-tenths of a percent stronger against the dollar, just under $1.12 the moment. And we are seeing the UK's borrowing costs on the gilt markets drop. The two-year yield is down 21 basis points now, under mm. 4%. Uh, the 10-year yield down eight basis points to just over 4%. So interesting to see that the markets seem to be welcoming this move uh, by the government to scrap this one element of their plans. At the same time, then, we have been hearing from the Prime Minister Liz Truss's spokesman, Max Blaine, who's been speaking to reporters, uh, reiterating that the Prime Minister has confidence in Chancellor uh, Kwasi Kwarteng and also that the Prime Minister still plans to remove the cap on bankers' bonuses, a policy you mentioned shortly as well. But this idea of how damaged this key alliance between number 10 and number 11 Downing Street could have been from this U-turn, we heard the Prime Minister yesterday talk about you know, how this was quasi Quarteng's policy to scrap the top rate mm. of tax. That's gone now. So the question, how, how solid is that relationship now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And I'm going to go and have a listen to Kwasi Kwarteng's speech then uh, just about 4.15 this afternoon at London time. Look, it's easy to be pretty gloomy about the UK, isn't it, in terms of the market damage? But I like the fact that Bloomberg's Sebastian Boyd has a piece out um, this morning saying that there are so many reasons to condemn UK assets, but it doesn't maybe look that bad. For example, company borrowing costs haven't gone up as much as you might think. The FTSE 100 looks cheap. UK stocks astonishingly cheap. That might be a buy at some point, as John Micklethwaite was sort of saying. So I like the fact that we kind of have put the flip side to, to this idea. And, and as you pointed out, markets have recovered a little bit. But yes, overall, are we 12 years into a conservative government? Uh, are things starting to look much more difficult uh, as we face a cost of living crisis? The, the polls look bad. And fundamentally, you know, people are having to pay more for their food, for their energy, and now for their mortgage rates. It's an incredible incredibly difficult time uh, to be hosting this annual conference up here in Birmingham for Conservatives. But I'm going to go out on the floor and talk to some people and see what they actually tell me today, Stephen. It's hard to believe, Caroline, that it's only the first day of this conference and there's more to come and we will have more on the programme tomorrow, both on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe from 6am and on the UK Politics Show as well. So do join us uh, for our continuing coverage of the Conservative Party conference. The big headline from day one, that U-turn by the government. They're dropping their plans to scrap the top rate of income tax, that 45% rate for earners over £150,000. That measure was supposed 
supposed to be scrapped, announced by the Chancellor only 10 days ago, and now they have done a U-turn and that tax rate will remain for the highest earners here in the UK. The Chancellor's speech, the focus uh, for Monday afternoon, and we will bring you full coverage here on Bloomberg as we hear more from MPs, from ministers, and, of course, from the Chancellor himself as well, Quasi Quarteng, speaking later on in Birmingham. Bloomberg UK Politics. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. Hi everyone, I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.